another episode of Need Some Introduction. This is the fifth episode of our Mayor of Easttown recap and reaction show. And oh boy, what an episode. We're going to get into it in just a minute. First, let's do some housekeeping very quickly. Please subscribe to us if you haven't already. Just click the subscribe or follow button on the podcasting app of your choice. That way you'll get a notification as soon as a new episode is available. Thank you so much for recommending us to your friends and family. We've been growing very quickly, and I know that's because of your word of mouth. In our main episode on Thursday, we will be having not the Pink Floyd episode that I was describing in an earlier episode, but instead we'll be looking at the beginning of the punk rock movement in the 1960s with a new contributor. I'd love to hear from you, especially I'd like to hear from someone specifically, one of you out there, and you know who you are, but I don't because the data we receive on this is all anonymized. There's someone out in Washington, Virginia, who's been around since almost the beginning of the podcast, I think with one of the Soundgarden episodes. And not only have you been loyally listening as far as we can interpret the data, that is, but I believe you've been recommending us to other people as well. So you, whoever you are specifically, I'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at needssomeintroduction at gmail.com. And I'd like to hear from any of you and find out how did you find out about us? Speaking of that Soundgarden episode uh, today, also we're recording this on Monday, is also not only the second anniversary, second month anniversary of uh, the podcast itself. This is our second month anniversary, but it's also the anniversary of Chris Cornell's suicide, unfortunately. I believe that was three years ago now. So if you'd like to know more about him at all, check out our first and second episodes, the very first two episodes we ever made of this podcast, discussing his career, mostly around Soundgarden. But if that sounds interesting to you, feel free to listen to or re-listen to those episodes. So without further delay, let's get into the conversation. It's going to be a good conversation. It was a good episode. And let's uh, get it going. Holy cow. A lot of the things I predicted last week happened, and they happened way faster than I possibly but um, I am uh, don't want to jump ahead, although I just said I didn't want to jump ahead. I pretty much jumped ahead. Uh, so, um, but yeah, so anybody out there who's listening to this, if by chance you listen to this, you know, as a primer before you listen or actually watch the episode, absolutely do not do that. Go in unsullied. I recommend it highly. A lot of things happen in this episode, and I think uh, you want to know as little about it as possible before you go in. So that being said, I assume everybody's seen it, and uh, we're going to go full spoilers. Uh, two things, Sona, for you. A, yes. just a high-level uh, opinion of the episode, your feelings. And second of all, at the same time, maybe, uh, Illusions? What's up with this title? Do you have anything? Any ideas? Oh, my gosh. I'm so annoyed by the titles of these episodes. I mean, maybe it's just me. Uh, I mean, I was an English minor in college, so I feel <laughs> like I should be able to put together some of this stuff. But I just, I wish it was more transparent and more on the nose because, you know, I spent some time actually thinking about the title. And I think certainly in this episode, we learned about a lot of secrets that people have been keeping, but that's not quite the same as illusions, right? right. An illusion would be something that seems to be one thing and is actually another, which right. I mean, I guess is in line with a secret. You're trying to make things seem not quite what they are, but not, as I said, like not really on the nose for the, the word I would be thinking to describe this episode. So I am not sure what to make of that title. What do you think? 
I don't know either. I'm in exactly the same situation. I'm thinking the same thing. Even before the episode began, I actually looked at the title just so I can like kind of prep the episode feed. And uh, so I'm thinking in my mind before the episode begins, it's going to be about illusions, right? Like, like you said, it's going to be someone presenting one thing and being something else. And maybe that will be part of the reveal at some point, but definitely not anything thematically in this. Right. If anything, this almost seemed like the opposite of us actually finding out a lot of things that we didn't know previously and things being clearer as to what they actually are rather than something seeming to be something that it isn't. So, yeah. Um, And also, I just I feel like there's no real consistency with the way these titles are like, you know, that father's one was so on the nose and. Yeah, I'm a little bit frustrated with it. And, you know, I'm sure the answer is to just not get hung up on it. But but I am hung up on it. (laughs) Maybe you touched on it before where the illusions are basically what's in the past. So we're we're, we're removing those illusions, right? So for example, Mayor going to psychiatrists dealing with what happened for real in her past, right? And, uh, and not only that, like her best friend, uh, and uh, that 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 whole family, like, there are illusions there as well as to what's going on, right? And I think that maybe it's all of this is coming to light, right? So it's not that this episode is uh, defining illusions or exposing them to us. It's that the illusions were whatever that story was, and now we're but, we're, we're we're disassembling. But there's a word for that, right? Which is disillusions. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. <laughs> so just something I want to call out here, which is so funny, but I, to the show's credit, by the way. So at the beginning of the episode, this is, and this is me just thinking about how things are constructed and, and me giving them, you know, speaking of illusions, it's like a magic trick illusion, right? In this regard, where yeah. me being a avid uh, movie watcher, mostly not so much a TV watcher, but m- very much a, t- a movie watcher that when I saw the beginning of the film, I, I of the episode, I literally was thinking, uh-oh, Zabel is not long for this world. Like he is giving off sacrificial lamb vibes, right? <laughs> and so what made I, you think that? What scene was that? It's just the way they're setting him up. You know, they're spending more time with him. He's having that nice conversation with his, his uh, mom. And it's just like in every single uh, pol- police procedural. It's like when you like see the, the cop, you know, kissing his, uh, his kids uh, goodbye and dropping him off at school. They're like, this guy's not going to last very long. <laughs> Well, you know what was funny to me is that I generally have watched these episodes alone, mostly because uh, my husband, Joel, has fallen asleep next to me at that point. (laughs) But this time, uh, Joel was actually awake, but he was distracted. He was on his phone. And during the scene with Zabel and his mom at the house before Mare picks him up, Joel says to me, someone's going to die this episode. I can feel it. I'm going to watch this. Yes, and I exactly. and I said, I really? What gives you that thought? And then, right as uh, Mira comes to pick him up, there's this shot of Zabel uh, reaching for his coffee cup, his to-go coffee cup. Yes, and Joel goes, "Yep, that's it. It's going to be him." Yeah. <laughs> that's a very by the way. That's that, that is very interesting that he called that out right away. I absolutely. And this is someone who has not watched any of the other episodes. <laughs> but this, but this is what I this is what I was going to call out in the technique of the show is that it was constructed, you know, it's like using a cliche in some ways. So in the exact same way that, you know, Joel just picked up on it. I felt the exact same way. I'm like, oh, they're setting this up. However, to the show's credit, I was like, oh, he's, you know, he's going to be a sacrificial lamb. And then it's going to be, but then they, you know, they tricked me a little bit of an illusion there <laughs> that they, uh, <laughs> they tricked me because uh, first of all, I'm thinking it's going to happen later. I did not expect it to happen so soon. Uh, jumping ahead to the end of the episode already, guys. But um, uh, um, but of course, if you've seen this, you want to talk about the end of it. 
And the second thing about it, in the middle of the episode, when they started to like flesh out potentially that romance between them really wasn't over. I'm like, oh, well, maybe that's what they're trying to do. So they did trick me a little bit. And then of course, mm-hmm. the very next scene, just as I was starting to think like, oh, maybe it's not that, maybe it's something else. They immediately, and once again, to Joel's, you know, how savvy he is as, as a viewer, that that is all technique, right? Like I'm reading all that from the technique. It's not from mm-hmm. the text. And he picked up on it right away, which I agree. I think that they were setting that up and giving us little clues throughout. Uh, um, what kind of world is this where Dylan is alive and Sable is dead? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, the unfairness of it all. So yeah, right there at the very beginning, I say, you know, I'm worried about this. Is my first note actually is that I was worried mm-hmm. about it right out of the gate. And as Joel picked up immediately, also bad vibes. Um, but then they, you know, distract us once again with uh, the whole Betty Carroll car accident. So, um, I mean, so much happened in this episode. Yes. Oh, oh my, my God, goodness. so much. But I'm so. not complaining. Like I said, like I've had issues with overpacking the episodes. This one, I feel like I was engaged the whole time and they were packing a lot of stuff in there, but I wasn't annoyed with it. And then of course the payoff erased any kind of uh, yes. issues I had uh, earlier on. Yeah, I mean, so many questions were answered, right? Even little questions that I had, like from last week, where I was like, what's going on with this kid? Why is he not in foster care? (laughs) They just left him in this crib in a hospital. Even, you know, even questions like that were answered. So do you think the Betty Carroll thing is going to tie in any bigger than just uh, being like an excuse to get them all just an excuse to get the the, the town organized or, or I have to assume there's going to be something there. I don't know how big it's going to be, but I, thought- I mean, first of all, the reveal of Helen's affair. Oh my God. The right? best payoff. Yes. The best. Payoff. I mean, in such a heavy episode, that was a great lighthearted moment and Mara's hysterical laughter. And, you know, she's just thinking like, finally, I've got something on you, <laughs> you yeah. know, like after a lifetime of being judged by this lady, <laughs> she finally has something on her. Um, so that payoff was terrific. I thought, uh, but also, you know, I'm not sure where the death factors into it, but I feel like that video camera could come back, right? Because that's already yeah. come up twice yeah. about whether the camera is working or not and what it's recording. So I feel like maybe that's going to come back. I felt that was probably the tie-in is that at some point, for whatever reason, you know, like the husband or something's going to call up, going to complain about the camera being like, I guess we don't need this anymore or something. And she's going, I, I have to imagine that the camera is definitely going to be important. Right. It definitely seems like it. Speaking of Helen being hilarious, I love that, you know, when she says that poor Betty was killed by, you know, Cheerios killed her. I love it. So she just has so many funny lines in this. She really did. She's like really straight up comic relief. (laughs) Yeah, she's, June Smart is so great. You know, she was great also uh, in Frasier, which is one of my favorite shows. Uh, But she definitely, she is quite the comedian. What I also thought was nice that that Betty Carroll's uh, accident into motion was that blackout uh you really saw like a nice side of the family i felt in that moment of the blackout you see how they all work together so perfectly to find the candles find the flashlight frank comes over to make sure they have what they need because he knows that maybe the flashlight doesn't have batteries um you see the strong bond between mare and drew that he's calling for her immediately when the lights go out you know, I just, I thought it was a nice moment for a family that is often uh, butting heads a little bit to see them all act in such a nice coordinated fashion was a nice moment for the family. Absolutely. And just in general with, it's kind of goes back to how I was uh, annoyed with the very first episode of the show. And then I really liked when we saw them all like interplaying in a house. Me in general, I, I love genre movies. I like horror movies. I like cop procedurals. I like, I like genres because it allows you to kind of get 80% of the storytelling out of the way so you can do other things. 
And this is a perfect example of the, the other things that I like. I like when you get to just see characters like interacting like this. So I, I, re I really like that. It's like, I, I like when the, when the, you know, there's enough room to breathe. And that's mm -hmm. why I was so annoyed earlier when things were so overpacked in some of the earlier episodes. And I really love this. Like you said, I, I like the fact that you're just kind of like seeing people live and just like in a very natural way. And like, mm -hmm. like I don't need someone to sit down and talk to a psychiatrist about their dynamic with their mom. Just show me their dynamic with their mom. Right. That's yes. all I need, right? And they did a really good job of that, like you said. And it really made you feel like they're, they are like a little bit of a community, Frank, coming over and everything. We also find out, by the way, in that conversation that, and this is probably the clue part of that, you know, every scene probably serves multiple purposes, is the whole situation with Faye, right? So Faye is uh, yes. on the outs with Faye right now, right? Mm-hmm, understandably so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now she's a suspect, by the way. I put her on my suspect list, so. Interesting, okay. I can explain my theory later more in more detail. But not that we do yeah, I mean, she just seems so mild-mannered to me, but maybe it's always the mild-mannered ones. <laughs> no, it could have been an accident. It was all an accident. So. True, true, an accident at midnight in a dark park, yeah. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Like she'd have to drag the body around. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I, I revised my my theory right there. Threw... No, there could be something to it. I'm not discounting it. On the list, off the list. <laughs> one foot on, one foot off. Exactly. Exactly. She's straddling the list. Okay. Um, so now we find out a lot about. Oh, I, I really did like. Uh, first of all, I really liked her. Her once again. Uh, um, you know, show don't tell is my. It's, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not my rule of thumb. It's, you know, it's the rule of thumb for, for writing and, and directing. And I think they did a great job of uh, the sequence where you see Mare watching. Once again, it's kind of a theme that I was hoping they were going to develop. I kind of called this out a couple of episode, episodes ago where we're kind of seeing her emerge from this, you know, depression basically. And, uh, and like the family life gets richer and more comedy emerges. So I think that they've done very well and they kind of did what I was hoping they would do. So that's great. And a perfect example of that is her finally allowing herself to watch that footage of her son. And mm -hmm. just just Kate Winslet's face as she's watching the video, once again, great, like really her at her best. She's such a emotive uh, actress. Not only that, but then cutting directly to her at the psychiatrist's office and then putting everything out on the table, all these things that she probably doesn't talk about regularly, the depression in her family, her father's death, uh, her son's suicide, right? Like all these really painful uh, things, right? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine losing both your father and your child in that same way? I mean, that and the seems fear, like right? Exactly. Something that many, many people would not be able to come back from, I right. think. And I thought it was good that we find we found out what happened to her dad, right? Because that wasn't really clear before, you know. Even though it's a, it's a very devastating truth, and right. I I will say uh, because you know you and I have a running joke that everything is always about me, right? Everything that happens, <laughs> right. I want to know how it affects me and relates to me. <laughs> But um, as someone, you know, on a personal note, as someone who lost my father at the same age, um, and I, I do believe that my dad also suffered from depression, when she's, when the, the doc, the therapist asked her, how did that make you feel? And she said, you know, I felt like I wasn't enough for him. That yeah. resonated with me so much. I thought that was like such a truth that kids feel when they lose a parent um, to that, you know, to that you know is suffering with some kind of of mental issue as a kid you just think like well why wasn't i enough why didn't you want to be around for me and i thought that was just like such a deep truth that she conveyed so clearly yeah and that, that i honestly have to say that when that happened i actually thought of you given the fact that you know uh and this is just kind of like more uh, transparency to, to the listeners but you know part of this whole project of me starting this podcast was to kind of reconnect with friends you know 
post COVID, we really don't get to see each other as often anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an excuse to get, you know, get everybody together again or begin that process since COVID's going to be, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be out of masks and, and hanging out together more frequently. And, uh, um, and we had some conversations about things that yeah. mm-hmm. about when you were younger and things we didn't mm-hmm. talk about back then. And yeah. uh, so then when I uh, saw this scene, I was like, wow, like this is like really just, you know, I, I mean, it can't be more thematically connected to this whole thing in the first place, you know, so it's kind of. Yeah. And then yeah. to learn that, right, she too had her issues with postpartum. Right, and so right. Now we're, you know, and, and she's worried about Drew so much because that would be the fourth generation, right, that is struggling with something like this. And you know, I just, I, I mean, I've said it so many times, I just feel for her so much, yeah. the stress that she must be under to make sure that Drew takes a different path than everyone right. else has. Um, you know, I just, I thought it was a really nicely done scene. Yeah, it was, you know, very, uh, um, and like I said, given the, some of those, you know, personal uh, connections to you, basically, I, it was even more potent in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that was uh, a tough scene, but it was good to see her you know, em- embracing it, you know, connecting with it and, and, and dealing with it finally. So Billy, right. So then we see her uh, at the oh house my gosh. with her f- and, and th- her friend, and maybe this is, this is actually very good uh, performance by Nicholson, by the way, uh, in the fact that her friend seems to be like so happy go lucky. And so like, kind of almost like oblivious, like even no matter how bad things are going with Mare, and maybe this is another mm-hmm. illusion, by the way, that no matter how bad things are going with Mare, she seems to be like a very safe sounding board for Mare. And now when you kind of see that there's all this chaos going on around her that she's mm-hmm. not, a, not dealing with at all, she's oblivious to what's happening with Billy. Billy's obviously really awkward and she's kind of like, see you soon, see you later. Oh, didn't she, did Aaron stay with you? Like none of this is, is connecting uh, in, in a bad way in her mind. So it makes you know me feel what? like- I'm not yeah. entirely sure about that. I think okay. it's possible, but I'm not a hundred percent that she doesn't have questions about that because first of all, Billy could not have been acting more sketchy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I like the I like the close up of the full beer. It's like yeah. mayor's like no one in this town leaves a full beer unattended. <laughs> well, Very I suspicious. I mean, also, I think she was thinking of a DNA test in fairness. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Very good call. Very, very good. But, but yes, also, who walks away from a full beer once it's been opened? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's like anathema to this, this culture. Yeah. I mean, he was just so clearly super sketchy, would not make eye contact with anybody. Yep. Um, yep. So, obviously, something is going on there. Uh, but right, like so I said, um, I, I'm not entirely sure that she's not onto it because I mean, she does, uh, right, she she acted pretty quickly when yeah. she overheard that conversation between uh, her husband and her son where, you know, the son's being asked to keep a secret. I mean, that could have easily been something to bury your, hand, your head in the sand about, but pretty much at the first opportunity where she had a little bit of an opening to explore that, she did. So, she took it to the sun. I felt she went so indirectly about it, maybe. But you're right. It, it wasn't a long period of time. I just felt that he, she came at it in a very indirect way. But then to your point, that might be intentional too, right? Maybe if she went yeah, to him, the guy's had he would cover his before. tracks. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> he, she knows that he is capable of lying to her face. So I think the, the better avenue to find out the truth would be the sun. I mean, I had silly logistical questions about like, did nobody tell you what happened at school? Are there no teachers or supervisors in the cafeteria? Do you not really, do you really know what happened, but you're pretending you don't in order to get this information? I mean, those were some distracting questions I had during that scene, but. 
also, it seems like, you know, like you were saying, it's like, she, she's like, what happened? Why did you do that? And, and like you said, uh, I mean, you know, it's her daughter who's involved in the bullying. You would think that there would be, um, you know, someone <laughs> had raised this to her earlier, right? And, and right. specifically and, in this regard, right? Well, listen, we do know that the daughter, uh, in the very first episode, uh, Mare asks the daughter, how are you being treated at school? Is everything okay? And the daughter was like, yes. everything's great. So we know the daughter does not want to stress anything, anybody out about what's really happening. But I think on this particular day with these particular events, the daughter is going to come home and say what happened. And, you know, I hope she does, because I think you'd be proud of your kid, right? If he's defending his sibling. <laughs> I mean, the, the manner maybe, you know, he could have chosen a different method, perhaps. But you'd be proud of your kid for looking out for his sister like that. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like, I, I would be like... Uh you know, don't take it to the same extent, like maybe just keep right. it verbal next time, but thank yeah. you for uh, sticking up for your, for your, for your sister. Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, so I have a question specifically on this. And once again, it's more of like a, you know, it's, it's, it's more of like not a natural thing, but it's more of like a writing thing. The fact that she says, is it your dad again? Is it that same woman again? The, mm -hmm. fact, they, the fact they left it so ambiguous, what that meant, do you, do you think they're intentionally leaving it ambiguous? Like, in other words, are you certain that it's an affair? <sighs> That's a good question. I had jumped to that conclusion. Yeah. I guess it doesn't I didn't want you to believe to be. that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I more um, started exploring the idea of like, well, what women have we met on this show that it could be? Is it someone that we know? Like, I started down that path. So <laughs> but yeah, maybe I assume too much. That's a good point. I don't know if he's staying in a different house or in a different floor, like whatever, you know, when he says, I'm going to fix this to his son later in the episode, it still felt like they left it so ambiguous as to what they were talking about. I mean, the obvious, uh, you know, situation is that it's, it's an affair and that would make sense too, because if he potentially is still a suspect, you know, like if that was, um, you know, maybe uh, he's the one who's hiding something and not Billy, right. Billy's just uncomfortable because he has to hold some kind of, um, uh, secret for his, uh, I guess it's his brother. Is that his brother or his brother-in-law? Um, sure, if all three are cousins or if someone's a sibling, it's not clear to me that. Yeah, I'm a little confused as to their relationship, but um, but yeah, it make it, it does feel um, yeah, it seems uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, I, I'm a little on the fence as to why they revealed the information that way, and if there's something more to it, and they're trying to hide that. Yeah, and also what I thought was interesting in that scene is that. You and I had an earlier conversation where, uh, you know, in, in one of the other episodes, maybe it was the first one, uh, where I said, maybe I'm reading into things, but I felt like the show was trying to tell us that there was physical abuse between Erin and her dad. Like she just seemed right. so gun shy, deer in headlights, you know, about why the, the macaroni was too hot and, you know, just so overly apologetic and just right. really walking on eggshells. And that was something they referenced in that scene, right? Where they kind of all are saying that they assumed that there was a physical abuse there, but they hadn't really explicitly talked about it with each other. Which I mean, is often the case with friends and family, right? You do kind of the most uncomfortable things you don't actually say, right? So yeah. it makes sense that they were watching out for her. And it made sense that, you know, once the mom wasn't around anymore, that the dad's drinking would get out of control. And maybe like and you we said- And we found out what happened to her mom too. Other questions that are answered, right? That uh, she had leukemia. Right. Um, right. So that was something else we found out that we didn't know. Yeah. So, so then we see, oh, so there are a couple of things that happened, two big things that happened. Uh, one is we see Dallin's, um, I'm sorry, we see Dylan's interaction with his girlfriend, 
And then right after that, we see the girls locked up together, right? So two huge uh, kind of reveals potentially. One as a giant clue as to what might be coming next. And the other one, of course, laying out exactly what's happening to those girls, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Dylan, uh, what do you think is happening with, what do you think uh, who he's hiding? I mean, he's hiding a lot of things, I'm sure, <laughs> but any theories? Uh, you know, I'm just really uh, curious about this whole dynamic between all of them. I mean, first of all, just a threshold question that I had, when Dylan and Jess are in the car together, there's a third kid that's there. Have we right. seen him before? He was new to me. I don't the one think that so. was I mean, behind the driver's wheel. Yeah, I mean the one who gives her the uh, the, the, the the pot to smoke, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I I do not recognize him. I mean, if he was in any of the previous scenes, I don't think he had any dialogue. He might have just been you know milling around, but I I don't recognize him at all. But yet he's involved in this whole journal burning operation. Right. right. So he's so, very, yeah. So he's a close so he's friend. Significant. Although. And, you know, on that level, I was kind of like another person. Come on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, right. But so, okay. Uh, so clearly Dylan and Jess know something about something, and we're right. not clear on what it is that, that Jess knows the true hiding place of the journals. Right. She has purposefully misled Mare. Right. about where they are so that I guess they can get to them first. Which now makes me think, by the way, now makes me think that the um, the whole thing where she comes out saying that, you know, I think Frank might be the dad or something was mm-hmm. all of that is something. Misdirection. Right? Exactly. Right. Maybe so. Um, so we find out that they all have agreed to burn these journals and they say, they make a point of saying a couple of times that they have agreed not to read them. Right. Yet Jess is reading them. Right. So... Uh, you know, what is the reason that they agreed not to read them? Is it because they don't want to invade this poor girl's privacy? I mean, it seems like nobody had any respect for her whatsoever. So I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I really. <laughs> I have a huge question mark next to that one for that very reason. Why not read them if it could reveal like potentially like the killer or something? Right. So does somebody among the three of them, does one of them have something to hide that they don't right. want discovered if the others read the journals? And then you see Jess reading the journals. So is she looking for something specifically, you know, and you see her take what looks like the back of a photograph, right? Right. Uh, And put it in her pocket. I I feel like, and I I said this last week, Jess knows a lot more than we think she knows or, you know, that we know she knows. So, and I think she may know more even than these other two that she's burning the journals with. So that all was very interesting to me. And she says too, right, that Mayor called her about the necklace and she said she right. didn't know anything about it. Uh, whether that's true or not, we have no idea. And then to bring it back to your actual question to me, which I totally detoured from, <laughs> uh, we find out from his girlfriend that she woke up and he wasn't there. And she right. looked around the house for him and he wasn't there. So we know that he was missing from where he was supposed to be around the time that this murder happened. So that's a giant question. I mean, it certainly uh, to me indicates he's involved somehow in what happened to Aaron. Um, and I mean, I just, I, I have to say, I mean, this girl, you, we talked about how, how dark her life was in that first episode and how you just felt so bad for her. And it just seems like the more that comes out, the worse you feel for her because like it feels like she truly had no one, even the people that she thought were friends were not friends. But I do feel like Jess, Aaron's best friend, um, was, uh, I think that her motives are pure. I'm still getting a vibe just from her performance and everything. I hope her, so. 
because like to your point, if let's say she did it, right? Why would she mm -hmm. be reading the, the diaries, right? I think she's reading the diaries because she wants to have that intimacy with her. And then once again, why keep like the photo or whatever? I think she eventually will have an, a clue to provide, right? That's my guess, you know, rather than okay. she's trying to cover her own tracks. I mean, I think she tracks. certainly knows a lot. Yeah, I felt that if she was trying to cover her own tracks, she would like burn the pictures and everything. So I just wanted to get it all burned and gotten rid of. Oh, and one other thing uh, related is that right when they're looking for the journals, they find that envelope marked <laughs> very <Yes>. helpfully, <laughs> DJ's ear surgery. <laughs> yeah, I like it's not just like ear surgery or money for Dylan or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's so specific. It's like, as if there's like 25 envelopes back there. She has some kind of like sorting mechanism. Keep them straight. Yes. <laughs> exactly. This is for his diapers. This one's for the ear surgery. But she does have a, a ton of cash in there, it looked like. So interesting, right, that she's telling Dylan she doesn't have the money, she needs the money, yet she obviously has found some way to accumulate a decent portion of what she needs. You know what, though? I thought I actually thought that the money wasn't that much. And uh, the reason, because, I mean, there was a lot of bills, but it looked like they were like, like a lot of 20s, for example. So for me, and once again, I guess it's up to interpretation, I kind of saw that almost as like her squirreling away a 10 or a 20 here and there, mm. you know, which adds up to money eventually. But I didn't, you know, like I didn't see like a bunch of hundreds, right? Like if she was, um, you know, like whatever, if she was like turning tricks somewhere and uh, having- I felt like it was a pretty thick stack, but I didn't rewind to look. So I could be wrong. We'll have to do some forensics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but let's go back for one second, yeah, if you sure. don't mind. Yeah, yeah, um, So that stressed out, <laughs> sketchy cousin, you know, we find out that he lived with, uh, that Aaron lived yes. with him yep. for a while. For a few months, so right, exactly. He, what do you think about the possibility of him being the baby's father? Oh yeah, no, I absolutely yeah, I didn't. I I, I kind of hinted at it briefly there, but yes, right. I and think I think that, she, I think Mara's yeah. going to do the DNA match. But yeah, if yeah. you had to guess right now, do you think he's the dad? Hmm, I'd say yes. I, if I had to put money on it, you know, I think there's more than one possibility. But I, if I put money on it, I would say yes. I would guess that he's the dad. He may not be the murderer, but he might be the dad. Yes. Hmm, that would be my guess. And like I said, I, I it's just a, more than a 50% chance, I would say. I'm, I'm not, I, I think that there, you know, there's possible, like I said, there's a possibility that it could be his cousin slash brother, whatever the other guy is, who, who like, you know, had access to her via that house, right? Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. um, but it could be someone else, right? It could be whatever he could have, he could just know that, you know, like there was somebody staying there with her, like it could sure, be some other yeah. person, you know? So that could just be something else that he knows about. So, and then that it happened at that house. So he still has that guilt, but I would mm. say there's a likelihood, you know, and then she might be like, well, he's not going to be a great dad. So then she kind of came up with this alternate. Um, I mean, he's also her uncle, right? So. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's right. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out all this relationships, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be, yeah, once again, just yet, an, I mean, first of all, you know, completely age inappropriate. And second of all, you know, making that, uh, yeah, that's even worse, right? <laughs> I didn't even make up the familial connection because I, I just yeah. everybody's, uh, it's like that, we should talk about that briefly, but it's like that murder dirter uh, skit where yes. everybody, everybody's yes. related. Everybody's a cousin at the police station. Yes. <laughs> Is everyone here your cousin? I'm, his, I'm her ex. <laughs> Oh yes, so yeah, it's it was the uh, it's the whole wake with uh, Helen mm -hmm. there, and of course the reveal that they had an affair. So funny. Hilarious, so funny. so funny, and also I just like the fact that like when uh, um, Mayor says, "Do you think he's like more relieved than I have around?" Because she was like such a nag, 
And her mom says, Mayor, how dare you say that when everybody yeah. dies, <laughs> they're saints once they die. That's they're right. only they're only they're only annoying when they're alive. Once they die, they're saints. So true, right? <laughs> exactly. Very funny. And then, of course, the funniest thing of all, of course, was you know the, him, you know, yelling out that he had to tell the, the whole town about his affair. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. <So funny. laughs> Just insane. Okay, so then we get to the diaries. I, you know, like like you already mentioned, you know, they um, they uh, they hid this from Mayor for some reason. They don't want to read them. So strange. Like someone, one of those people, and probably Dylan, I assume, is trying to hide something, right? Because he's basically trying to motivate them. Because and that would make sense in some way. Um, he doesn't know where the di diaries are, right? Jess knows, but he does not, right? So he's saying, but let's find them and then destroy them, right? So he without seems, them. exactly. Yeah. So he's the one I think is trying to um, you know, hide something substantial, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. And we do see um, in the, the preview, which I thought was, I, I swear I've seen this preview before and I thought it was gonna happen this week. Jess and Dylan are at odds about something and Dylan is insisting that they're stuck together in this, right. whatever this may be. So that does indicate that, you know, there's some kind of push pull happening there between the two of them. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, so there's some, they're in cahoots in some way, and she may have been dragged into it inadvertently, but now she's, you know, trying to protect right. herself, or he's probably pressuring her to be like, oh, if I go down, I'm taking you down with me. You yes. Know? So, right. um, but yeah, he's the one who's trying to cover something up, because like I said, you know, um, he doesn't want just reading uh, the diaries. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I, an interesting point, though, when they're actually burning the diaries, and you already mentioned, you know, that she definitely squirrels something away, so she is, you know, there, that might be an important clue later. Uh, oh, a couple of important things on diary. One is the only thing I could read. Uh, yeah, I in, couldn't read any of it. The only thing I could read was like, because it was written like kind of intentionally like large so we could read it, was the beginning of one of the paragraphs, like right where the camera was looking at, right before he called her out for having the diary still, said Deacon Marks, blah, 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 blah. So just the fact okay. that they call out Deacon Marks directly. Once again, she was in the youth group. So it could just mm -hmm. be, it could be mm -hmm. once again, just a trick. They're playing on us to, to, to distract us. Oh, but we got to talk about Deacon Marks getting beat up, right? So that's a whole other mm -hmm. thing that we kind of skipped past. Mm -hmm. But um, that was a very good scene by, oh, anyway, so let me fit, wrap this up and then we'll talk about that. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's the only thing I could see in the diary at all was Deacon Marks. And then I don't even know what the rest of the sentence said. I'm sure somebody out there is freeze framing it right now and putting it yes. on the internet. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, but you know, I couldn't really make out anything. But definitely, they're trying to draw attention to that. She's reading the diaries. Oh, the thing I wanted to call out in the scene though was when they're burning the diaries, the shot from like inside the fire, basically their three faces. They don't look, especially that new guy, by the way. He doesn't look like we're we're getting away with something. We, we're, you know, like they all yeah. look like very sad about burning mm. these diaries. So they're they definitely don't feel. I don't, they don't seem to me as they're being nefarious. Like we got to cover our tracks of mm -hmm. selling drugs or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they didn't seem to uh, be like terrified. Like, thank God we got rid of this. Now they won't catch yeah. us. They looked like very like upset about doing this. And I'm like, why are they like, if they're upset about this, why are they doing it? I can, I can't figure this out. I did not notice that scene. So that is interesting to know. So uh, yeah, I just, I was reading their faces there at that moment where they throw the, the, the books into the fire and it just was, it was just like weird, you know, <laughs> you know, to include their reactions and that they're like, look so somber in them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, why, why are you like, if you feel bad about it, don't do it. <laughs> I don't just, like, just anonymously <laughs> drop the no, diaries off at the police station. Right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So, 
oh, and then I have a question mark here. Why are we spending so much time with Mama Zabel? I'm like, we know now. We know exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> might be the last we see of her. So. Exactly. Well, no, I'm sure she's going to come and blame Mayor for his death. <laughs> Well, you know, arguably she was responsible. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. In a way, exactly. Not indirectly, though. I mean, if he had, well, if he'd been there by himself, it, you know, the guy would have gotten away with it, right? So let's let's take. Uh, I mean, you know, having watched this with with Joel yesterday, which I don't normally do. Uh, first of all, there were a lot of tangents being brought up by him that made me have yeah. to pause the show and rewind it. <laughs> Um, you know, recap the, the whole show with him. Can a father? What's the yeah. difference? I mean, there was a lot <laughs> happening. Whereas, like, I don't know, I don't care. I just know this guy's the deacon. I got to watch this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also about the proper procedures and protocols that should have been followed in that last scene, <laughs> and you know, calling for backup, calling for a warrant. You know, she wasn't supposed to be there to begin with. I mean, there's a lot. So I, I do think arguably she was responsible. He also felt, um, we're, it's like we have a third podcast host now. <laughs> he has to join, so he doesn't want to join. He's got to come on. Maybe well. maybe for the finale, he's got to come on. Um, <laughs> Do like just a 10 minute Joel's take. <laughs> um, one thing that, uh, that I didn't notice because those last, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but you know, I was just so stressed out for those yes. last scenes. Oh my oh God. God. Like yes. I sat straight up in bed yep. and I was just staring. Um, but one thing that I didn't notice, despite the fact that I was so stressed out, or maybe because I was so anxious, I, he felt that he saw uh, Zabel was waiting for Mare's signal to shoot, and Mare gave the signal too late. I personally did not see that, but you know, it was kind of a blur, that scene with the shooting, so. I, I didn't read it that way. I read him as she is basically saying like, you know, she's like, I have no, don't have a gun, so she's pulling him in that like, you know, get your gun ready. And, uh, and then when she's like, you know, she yells out to him, I think like she had assumed he would have shot already or at least drawn his weapon, right? And, uh, and he hadn't. Um, and I think that just shows that he was green, right? He was just too, you know, he hadn't been in a circumstance like this. Before. But that's consistent then that he is waiting for Mare's signal because he's not right. comfortable. And True. I think she knows that he looks up to her, right? Like True. He's clearly he, she got her on she should have been, she should have been overly cautious. I agree. Yeah. She should have been, yeah. It's, it's like she kind of was there in uh you know playing it out like you know kind of trying to you know she's still trying to get him to drop a clue or something before she makes a move so she's still in detective mode and i agree she should have been like uh um you know, we might that, be screwed here oh and, and yeah, another yeah. criticism he had was you would never let the suspect out of your sight why did right. you let him go to the other room to turn off the music someone should have gone with him so well, that, i mean all valid right. points yeah, but at that point, all very I don't... valid distracting points while I'm watching this show. <laughs> I, I defend that, by the way, early on, because he's not like officially a suspect at that point, right? Like they literally have yeah. gone and knocked on a bunch of doors. This is just a guy with a van, right? And they haven't seen the Winstons yet, right? And so they're, you know, they're, and, and people can smoke Winstons even if they're not murderers, right? So it's like, uh, there's a, you know, so, so it's not like there are that many red flags yet. And yeah, if you start like immediately, even if they are a suspect, if you immediately start, you know, treating them like aggressively, like a suspect, then especially when you think there might be, you know, girls in the house or, you know, some, or at least the remains of those girls, you don't want to like, you know, immediately get this person's, um, you know, uh, radar up. Because, That's what I thought as well. Because yeah. then yeah, like, you know, when they, well. when they kick and you I, out, 
when they kick you out, uh, they just going to cover their tracks, right? So it's you need to stick around. You need to be able to yeah, have I mean, access and to the I, house. Yes, I also thought that they did have to act immediately because if he knows they're onto him, he if those girls are alive, he's right. going to kill them now. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, so I so would yeah, not be as a- That was my defense of the situation, yeah. yeah and, I, and I read it the same way. And like I said, I feel like that moment actually where the, the shooting happens, uh, which I didn't expect at all. And we jumped way ahead, but we, we, we're going to so rewind how we got from the Deacon to here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to rewind a little bit, but, uh, but anyway, just to, to finish that thought is that, um, you know, the defense of it is that the, uh, that exactly that it's like, you know, I see what she's trying to do and I feel like it is a hair trigger, um, moment, right. It's like that in between moment where it's the wrong decision. And honestly, if he had more experience, it wouldn't have happened. You know, it was unfortunate, but it's Mare's fault for not having a weapon on her because of the stupid planting the heroin in the first place, right? So in a law, in many ways, it's- I mean, also she's investigating something she's not supposed to be investigating. I mean, right, how, right. you know, you can take apart every link in that chain, sure. but also this guy was an amazing shot, right? Yes, like, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. One shot, boom. Right? Yeah. And, and hit I mean, both of them, right? But hit Mare too in a hand. Yeah, yeah. Very quickly, right? Okay, so now we got to rewind way back. <laughs> yes, back to the deacon. <laughs> so I want to get back to a lighter thing as well. So they get the deacon getting, oh yes, so let's go all the way back to the deacon. So the deacon, you know, he's, he, you know, uh, um, father cousin comes in and talks to her, to him about, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what happened, et cetera. So now he, he lays his cards on a table, tells her exactly what, what yeah. happened. Um, he says, I would, you know, I, I find it interesting. He goes, were you with her that night? And he goes with her and she says with her. So then, I, you know, you can read that with her. I took that to mean sexually, whatever yes. that tells you about me. <laughs> I, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, just the fact that he explicitly says with her. And he says, yes. So, you know, it's not that he just said I was with her, you know, and he didn't like try to correct it and say like, I was, yes, yeah, she was here. She called me, whatever. Uh, she needed a ride. He says with her right? He explicitly reinforces. Yeah. Which, and then I, um, I second guessed myself that maybe I'm the only person that would think with her means sexually with no, her because then they seem to move on from it. So cleanly that, uh, well, you know, that I maybe I was reading too much into it. Yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, I still think that that was the case just given the fact that, you know, there's the language mm -hmm. that was used, mm -hmm. but, uh, but then, like you said, then, uh, I do kind of, uh, I did kind of second guess it a little bit with the fact that then he goes into all this detail, you know, he she needed a ride she needed me to pick right up. then she needed to go to this place and it's like that maybe they just mean physically in the same place exactly because then like logistically that's a lot of moving around in a relatively yeah. short period of time so that doesn't you know maybe not leave a lot of time for uh but you know he could be a <laughs> could be a real quickie so yeah, um, anything's possible <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So that was uh, one scene I wanted to go back to. Another scene. So did you believe yeah. that story of what he said happened with Aaron? I do. I don't see him as I a suspect. Well. Yeah, I don't see him as a suspect. Like him, it, just the fact that he lays so much out there on the table, and um, uh, it, it's you know. So it, I, I I find it sketchy that he would, if he had done it at that point, he would just you know, if he's like feeling this need to confess, right, which is potentially true, right? He feels some guilt, obviously then uh, he would confess everything, right, in that scene. Um, more, if there was more, I should say. Uh, or the opposite, right? He would just hide, keep hiding what, what he knew, right? Like, but the fact that he, he, he says so much and then he just comes up yeah. with that line, you know, made me, I, I think it's correct. And I think it, it makes sense too, by the way. It explains how she got from one place yes. to the other. And I think that's what that episode, I think that's what that scene is trying to explain to us is how, you know, the, the bike got in his trunk and how she got to where she did get to, right? 
So I, think I mean, I do question I, the judgment of any adult that was like, okay, I'll drop you off in this park in the middle of the night. But I mean, he does say, I tried to say, don't go. I tried to convince her, but she was hysterical. But I just don't know as an adult, if I could ever pick up a whatever 16 year old who is insisting that they be dropped off in a park in the middle of the night and I would do it. You know, I mean, I just, right. I don't think there's a scenario where I would agree to do that, but that's me. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And I think, uh, and regardless of anything else, even if, excuse me, even if he never even had the affair with the, uh, the, the first, um, with the other girl, you know, and it was just an accusation. I think there's something there to that, that accusation, like maybe he, you know, they, they had an inappropriate relationship. Maybe he was heading yeah. in the sexual uh, direction and maybe he had a similar flirtation going with Aaron. Yeah. Right. So, and mm -hmm. that's why obviously, not obviously, but that's probably why he was so available to her. Right. So uh, it could be that, like you know, like you said, these are some bad decisions, but he was making bad decisions, right? So that's you know. fair enough, yeah. Because I mean, if I were in that situation, I would be like, "Listen, I'm taking you home. If you call an Uber from there, I can't control that, but I'm taking you home." <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. And that's what he should have done, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other scene I want to bring up, which is much more lighthearted, and it's like one maybe the last lighthearted scene we have with uh, Zabel is their dinner, their date. Which yes, was... that is on my list as well. <laughs> Which, by the way, like I wrote down that I think the thing I know him best from is from those different American Horror Story yes, uh, shows, which I couldn't, I can't tolerate them. I would get, Me get, get, either. My God, talk about, you know, misery porn or right. whatever the phrase is for that. Holy cow. Exactly. And then, uh, uh, but, so that's why I pretty much know him from, but to see how funny he is and mm -hmm. it's all in his delivery, his awkward conversation mm -hmm. at dinner so made me laugh. Every line delivery made me laugh. I'm like, wow, you know, but I was knew? with him. Why isn't she offering him the tortellini? He's so clearly <laughs> telegraphing exactly. that he wants to try the tortellini. <laughs> you know, on a date or something, she'd be like, nope, you're not, you're not touching my feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or she'd just be very bad. And she's like so focused on the case. She's not even she was picking so up on in the... her own head about yeah, that case. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. But I, mean, I just want to call out how funny for him, right? Like he wants oh, yeah. it to go so well. And oh yeah. Just all she wants to talk about is the case and yeah. Uh. Oh, that scene was so good. And like, yeah. And I, we didn't really talk about the girls uh, back in, mm -hmm. in in the locker, uh, back at the and the tavern, whatever it is. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, that first of all, that so we find out a bunch of things, right? So we so first of all, she's going through withdrawal. The other girl also went through withdrawal. There was yep. another girl there, probably the girl from Jersey, by the way. There's another missing girl. Yep. No. no, I mean, their names were the same. So, yeah. Right. Hillary. Yeah. There mm -hmm. you go. <laughs> so, uh, I'm bad with names. So, <laughs> could be a fact. crazy coincidence, but most likely <laughs> very, not. Very, very coincidental. <laughs> and um, uh, who, who shepherded her through her, her withdrawal mm -hmm. or whatever. So, it seems like that's his pattern. He has one, mm -hmm. you know, because he probably doesn't want to deal with that whole thing. So, he has one mentoring the other he's having sex with them right he impregnated one of them that's mm -hmm. why he got rid of her so now we know that part of it um so that's an interesting uh a wrinkle uh so first of all what do you think happened to the first girl has he killed her has he you know that's an interesting question again i made the assumption she was dead but there is no reason to really believe that and i mean it is a particularly cruel thing to do even in this depraved situation to kill someone who's carrying your own child right but Certainly, I know from 2020 and Dateline, it happens all the time. So, <laughs> According um, to Dateline. <laughs> so uh, my Friday night, let's find out which husband killed his wife for what reason this time. So, <laughs> um, so 
yeah, I'm I'm thinking she is dead, but you know, fair point that maybe she's just been moved someplace else to uh to be kept captive in a different location. Right. Uh one thing that I thought was was interesting is just from a story construction perspective, I guess, you know, I keep saying we've just been introduced to so many characters. There are so many people in this world. Like I was kind of surprised that the kidnapper is somebody that we had not met previously. Right. right. So do you think that this is the end of the story, that this was just one guy doing this thing? Or do you think there's somebody else that we have met that could be involved somehow? Oh, no, I think there definitely is. Like that's kind of, would yeah. be, yeah. I definitely think that there's more to the to the story. Yeah, it's not just, yeah. So I think, first of all, there's more to uh, Aaron's story, obviously. It's definitely one of the suspects. And like I mentioned, probably in a previous recap, it, it's tangentially connected to this, but I agree that, you know, there somehow is um, more to this as well, right? There's more to... Uh, yeah, I, to me at this point, the Aaron thing is is almost completely separate. There might be yeah. a little bit of overlap, but right? I don't feel like they're super connected, these two things. Uh, do you agree? I don't actually. I still think that the Aaron thing is going to tie in, uh, you know, yeah. I, somehow, I don't know if it's like the kids are, you know, in the school are, you know... Um, when these girls are, you know, falling on hard times and are now, you know, you know, uh, prostituting themselves. Tammy the Tickler has met them, some of these girls on the street. But, um, uh, you know, <laughs> if we have uh, maybe the kids in school are like feeding this information to somebody, right, who mm. we do know. And like, so, mm -hmm. like you said, it might be more than one person. Although, mm -hmm. to your point, um, she doesn't say these guys come over. And they all have right. their way she with us. Right, she only referred to a single guy. Right, and she says when people come over, it's not like people come over to have like sex yes. parties or something. It's like when people come over, she locks us up. For poker and night, he, yeah. Yeah, he locks us up and puts the music on, right? So yeah. uh, so they he prepares for it. So um, it is, uh, yeah, so it doesn't seem like they in that room interact with anybody else. Right. But I think this might be a larger. Um, okay, I still think that it's bigger you know, and I it intersects thought, somehow it intersects. Like I said, it could just be the kids in school are somehow informing right? That's yeah. to protect. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a tangential connection. I, I just, right now, I'm not feeling like there's a strong connection. Um, but also I thought it, just a nice little thing that happened here is we see how sharp so many of these, these girls are like, um, you know, the, the girls that are being held hostage, first of all, in, in realizing that this is their chance and taking that chance, right? right? Like right. not having some kind of Stockholm syndrome thing where they keep quiet. They know like this is it. They figure out that even though no one's going to be able to hear them scream, they can do the thing with the pipes. You know, I thought that was very smart. Um, the, the prostitute that they talked to in the diner that somehow after all that she had been through with being strangled and having a physical fight, she has the presence of mind to write down part of a license yep. plate. Yep. Uh, which, I mean, I would think you'd be so thrown by the whole thing. You would just be happy to be alive. So, yep. Yep. Um, you know, all of those little things come together to create a situation where these girls can be saved, which I just thought was like a nice thing that they save themselves because, you know, yep. I, I'm so feminist and I, <laughs> you know, I, I hate the like damsel in distress thing. And I, I like that everybody is looking out yep. for themselves and taking action on it. Yeah, and, and actually to the credit of the show, once again, I like that they have allowed their characters to be complicated. And oftentimes on these shows, you know, like you have these, you know, these stereotypes of like these strung out prostitutes who can't like right. string a sentence together. And like you said, these girls are drug addicts. These girls have many, many problems. 
but they're you know still these girls of the of that age and they have they, a survival instinct exactly just like anyone would right so I, I once again i like the fact that they're we're not just drawing everybody in very very caricatured ways and to the credit of the, of the show I, I definitely believe that's a, a strong part of it oh and then we have uh, almost we're almost there at the end now <laughs> where we uh, uh they have a very good conversation with um Zabel and uh, so good, yeah, and and her and it, multiple things happen in that conversation. One is uh, it kind of goes back to that theory. I was remember maybe two episodes back, maybe maybe even three, where there's a situation where uh, I was like, why is Zabel all of a sudden like you know like like so willing to follow the lead? Is he this hot shot mm-hmm, detective, mm-hmm. right? And of course, that all turns out that you know reading that scene correctly, once again, good writing that they let they they planted that seed all the way back then. Turns out he didn't solve the case. He's not right. this hot shot. Um, and he's just trying to grab that opportunity to, like he said to his mom, you know, he hasn't really come up in the world. This is his chance to like, basically say, I am this genius mm-hmm. detective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so he's just trying to grab that opportunity, which makes you much more sympathetic towards him, period. And then ends with that kiss. Right. right? He says he wants to do something great, right? Yes. And who can't, who can't relate to that? I mean, we all feel that way. Once again, that's all those sacrificial lamb vibes that came early in the episode. But, yes. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then the kiss right which is so sweet oh, how do you God. how do you know what i want oh it's so sweet right and then you're like oh this guy's dead <laughs> yes. i loved her description of who she is though and saying yeah. well i might know what you want but i know you don't want this <laughs> <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so totally heartbreaking especially given what's going to happen in the very next uh yeah scene uh. yeah and then just shocking to me, like, you know, I had predicted in the last episode, I'm like, sometime in the future, we're going to randomly show up at his building and the camera's going to pan over and we're going to be like, oh my God, we're at Benny's. And it happened right now. I'm like, what? Already? <laughs> How did this happen so quick? I can't believe we're here already. <laughs> Which totally threw me for a loop because now I'm like, what happens in the next two episodes, right? So, but yeah, so we, we, we end up at Benny's, right? That we tra- that prostitute gave a good tip. They find the van, they find the license plate. We end up at Benny's. They see the Winstons as he goes to turn off uh, mm-hmm. that Judas Priest song that he is blasting in the next room. And then, yeah, he comes back into the room and uh, wow, then things escalate. And like you He's said, ready. I was even then, even knowing where things were, I'm like, well, things aren't going to go to 11 right away, right? We're, we're going to, you know, mm-hmm. they might have to come back next week and the girls are still there. And what's going to happen? That's where my head's at still. And like you said, all of a sudden my pulse is through the roof. I'm like, holy cow, what is mm-hmm. happening right now? Very, very stressful. A little science of the lambs uh, um, vibes there, mm-hmm. you know, her, her, him stalking her through the house, through the building and her finding the girls and telling them to be quiet. So anyway, I immediately started thinking science of the lambs. So well done. And so many things, um, you know, got tied together from even a few minutes ago where she's noticing the camera or one of them is noticing the camera. I can't remember. And then, you know, she's running from him and you realize that, well, he can see everything on his phone. He can see exactly where everybody is. And she's yeah. putting that together as well. She sees the cameras. And, yep. Yeah. And she knows like, okay, the clock is ticking. He's going to find me, um, you know, and kind of a callback, right. To the cafeteria tray with the brother. Right. The way Interesting. She, yep. Mm-hmm. She smacks him. And, you know, <laughs> I was just <laughs> yelling at the TV, do it again. Do it yeah, again. Don't like, stop. <laughs> like wait until he's unconscious. Like just keep going, kick him in the head, do whatever you need to do to make him lose consciousness. You know, and then of course my, uh, <laughs> my co-watcher, Joel points out, God, she didn't even grab his gun when she runs away, yes. <laughs> um, which is fair, but at least she got downstairs and was able to grab Zabel's gun. Right. Um, right. 
you know, but yeah, I just, I thought it was so tense and so well shot and staged um, that you really just were carried along with her in that moment and feeling that stress that, like you said, I felt like my heart was just racing, yeah. um, you know, trying to figure out like what's going to happen. And I, even in my head thought for a second, they're not going to kill them both. Are they? Right. There's still yeah. a couple of episodes left. Well, yeah, that would be crazy, right? <laughs> if, if anybody's listening to this and hasn't seen the trailer for the next uh, episode, I would tell people to not watch the trailers. They reveal, I, I knew that there was going to be a shootout, not in this episode, but I knew there was going to be a shootout at some point because they showed it in the coming up last week. So I, I, I think they showed too much in those coming next you know what i have a really hard time keeping up with the previews to be honest so, <laughs> so i totally believe you that they showed it but i was not spoiled uh, i'll just say that but, i wasn't spoiled you know, either yeah. once again i always think that trailers are trying to misdirect so i'm like it looks like she's like you know mm -hmm. yes yeah, surviving often, a, yeah. like it literally is a scene often. where she's like out of breath yeah. and she's against the wall and there's blood on the wall and the cops are pulling up and I'm like, well, that's like at the end of the thing. And it's a misdirection. That's not, that's going to be whatever, a domestic abuse or something. Like it's not a real, they're not showing yeah. us the actual right. killer. That, that's not happening. And then of course, it's exactly what they showed us, right? And I'm like, yeah. I, I would have rather not seen that to be honest with you, so. Yeah, that's fair, I think. Um, you know, but I think she really, uh, she was very, very competent in this scene, yes, right? Like very, she did very. all the things that she should be doing. She called 911, right? Because how many times do you watch something and yep. you say, why aren't you calling 911? Right. So, and, you know, she, uh, and she, uh, um, an excellent marksman, by the way. <laughs> yes. And, you know, she knew enough to like, you don't just leave it at one shot, right? To go to right. my point from a couple of seconds ago, like keep going, make sure you finish this job. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, and I thought, um, such a nice moment where she's propped up against the door and like she's just been through all of this and what she hears in her head is her son's voice right oh yeah yep ah uh, like so beautiful and so resonant I think like as a parent that really resonates with you because I'm telling you like I'm not in nearly the situation she is and I still sit here and watch videos from when you know Oscar was a year old and like the sweetness of his voice yeah. and you know like his little like toddling around not quite stable on his feet and ah oh, it's just so sweet and so like for her in that moment having been through all of that thinking back to her son I thought was just it was so genuine and so sweet yeah yeah that was very strong the whole ending is really good I mean and like you said like these different tonal things going on where you have this thriller like truly legitimately quote-unquote thriller sequence right when, when you watch these things for the thrills and then, uh, but then, like you said, but then like still, you know, um, uh, you know, fleshing her out, her, her internal, you know, her interiority. Right. So yeah. I, excellent. I thought really great finale. I to will the episode. say like a little bit clean at the end. And again, this is maybe Joel's voice in my head. Cause this was his complaint <laughs> um, a little bit clean at the end that like now she's reinstated and back on the case when yeah. she clearly was acting beyond what she had been instructed to do and what is legal to do. Right, right. Oh, I almost forget. Honestly, you know what? That's so funny that you bring, bring that up for me in my head, I guess, because I was still playing it out in my mind. The end of the episode is really that whole sequence that we just talked about. I totally forgot about that whole like tying the bow on the end where she's back on the yeah. case. And you're, it's your case again, Mayor, you're, you're primary, right? And uh, like you said, a, a very clean, but at the same time, from a practical point of view, who else is going to pick up this case right now? <laughs> <laughs> a, I nobody mean... has the, you know, it's a small police department. No one has the experience. And B, she's like a celebrity right now, right? So it's, it's <laughs> unlikely that they're going to be like, she found these girls, she rescued them, blah, blah, blah. You know, violent killer is, uh, is, is, uh, is executed. And uh, by the way, she's still on probation. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> probably not going to play very well in the local media. Okay, so yeah, that's it. Goodbye, Zabel. Very, uh, we we barely knew ye. Ah, uh, yeah, really tragic. Honestly, I think you know. I'm definitely going to miss him. I really enjoyed his performance here. I thought it was great. Uh, and I like the character too, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, I, Evan Peters, uh, you know, I just saw him on one division, like I mentioned, uh, and, uh, was funny there, you know, it's kind of like this cocky, funny performance he gave there. Uh, but even then this is way beyond, like he's, he really impressed me here. So I hope he gets a lot more work from this. So now that uh, one of Mara's love interests is out of the way, do you think we're going to see the return of the author, Richard? Absolutely. I mean, I ha hate mm -hmm. to say this. I sound like a broken record, but he is definitely going to play out in the finale. You don't hire Guy Pierce to be in three scenes in five episodes. He's going to be, be a much bigger part of this. So either he becomes a suspect, which I mm -hmm. unfortunately still have him on my suspect list, uh, or, or it is more of her coming out of this depression and, you know, we, we see her developing that relationship a lot more in the next two episodes, but you do not hire someone like that to be on a show mm -hmm. to do like, what has he done? Four scenes across five episodes, I, you know, and none in this one at all, none, right? Well, I will say I read online. I did not do my own fact checking of it. I don't know if it's true or not that this role was originally supposed to be played by a much more unknown actor that had to bail out of it for some reason. And, oh, interesting. and Guy Pierce was a, a recent addition in that way. I don't know if that's true or not. And I don't think it necessarily means anything about the character's significance, but. See, that, that does change things that. a lot. I've tried to be unsullied mm -hmm. as, as much as possible, like not reading any, just then once again, mm -hmm. for the audience. Uh, yeah, out there. I read very little. Yeah, yeah. I read very but, little as well. But just to the audience out there to let them know is like, you know, many people I know, like when I follow shows, sometimes I will listen to multiple recaps. You may very well be listening to our recap and many others, but or multiple others. We are, I am not. I'm trying to go into this as um, unbiased by same. other people's opinions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sona both actually. Yes. So um, so that's where we're coming from. That's a perspective. So many of you may have, you know, other theories out there. But uh, that's very interesting that you mentioned that, uh, because I know that Kate Winslet and Guy Pierce, uh, since they made that. Um, they won those Emmys together for uh, Mildred Pierce a few mm -hmm. years back. They're actually friends. So I would imagine possibly that even a small role that she would be like, oh, you know, whatever, they lost the actor. She'd be like, let me call up Guy and see if right. he'll do it. Mm -hmm. right? So it could just be a favor he's doing. But like, if just from purely from a casting point of view, like if I'm a casting agent, I don't get Guy Pierce to do eight scenes <laughs> in a miniseries, yeah. you know, without him paying yeah, off in some point. bigger way. Right? So. Fair point, yeah. So he's still there just for the, I mean, like I said, that's a lot, this is where casting has done a lot of my decision-making here, but it's possible it's it's a red herring again. Uh, or that that's the intention, right? It'd be like, oh, everyone's gonna suspect yeah, him. Yeah, sure. Why is he in this show? And then, you know, he's yeah. just, he just turns out, like they just, they just go to the, right off the sunset together at the end and that's it, that's his whole purpose. Yeah, that could definitely be it. <laughs> okay, so. So that's it. I don't have anything else to say. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who the suspects could still remain, you know, just other than the ones I kind of called out here, you know, everybody, there's a short list, there's maybe three or four suspects left that I think. Um, there's definitely something going on with, the, what's the name of that family, the Ross family, there's definitely something yeah. going on there. They know way more For than they're sure. saying. There's definitely something that the teenagers do. There's something in the, the college, uh, at the school, they know something more. Uh, these girls, once again, they may have known they were prostituting themselves. They may have known there's something bigger going on, so they might be aware of it. Um, or they were dealing I thought drugs. It was interesting, yeah. though, that they are um, uh, distancing Brianna from that whole situation, right? Because she's the one that you know woke up in the middle of the night and Dylan wasn't there. 
Right. I mean, she seemed to almost be the ringleader of the altercation. Initially, in the right? Yeah, they've, ten, right? they've really changed the way they've, yeah, once again, complexity, they've yeah. changed her the perspective on her. And if Aaron was potentially like had a ring of girls doing tricks or something at the school or something like that, then maybe that explains why she didn't want her hanging out with Dylan anymore also, right? So there might be more complex complexity even mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. once again, I like the fact that they keep, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I watch these, especially these kind of cop procedurals and everyone's a stereotype. I like that the show has kind of avoided that uh, over the course of the show, I should say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's okay, all I so have. Two episodes yeah. left, right? Two more. That's it. Two okay. That's it. Well, usually I find uh, the next to last episode of of something is usually really great. Like usually a lot happens in those episodes. They've set up a lot for the resolution. Although so much happened in this episode, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, my theory, this purely speculation now here, this is purely speculation. I feel like you said, this feels like those like penultimate episodes usually feel, right? I agree, I agree. I feel like what they're going to do is they're going to kind of like tie things up next week you know, it's going to kind of be like that. It's going to feel like that final episode. Like, you know, we're, everyone's getting on track. The last loose ends are being tied up. And then we're going to get some kind of twist. That's my prediction. That's my, and that's what the real final episode is going to be Yeah, about. I think that's a, good, that's a good prediction. I would go with that as well. All right. Do you have any uh, uh, recommendations for this week? Ah, right. Recommendations. Okay. I've started keeping a running list <laughs> so that I'm not caught off guard. Oh, Kim started watching... Uh, rarely have I ever based on your recommendation never have I ever never have I ever I, I, I'm sorry she's the one who's watching <laughs> like it like the but drinking yes. game like the drinking yeah. game uh, yeah. has she been enjoying it she has so far yeah she, I think she's only uh, like one and a half episodes in love it so much I'm really excited for it to come back in July um, okay so I feel like I do a lot of TV recommendations because as you mentioned you're kind of a movie watcher and I'm more of a TV watcher mm-hmm. but uh, this one's going to be a movie um, from way back in the day when we were essentially kids, not literally kids, but uh, it's a movie called Go, which- Oh, yes. I love this movie. Yes. One of my favorite movies of all time. I feel like it doesn't get enough recognition. Kind of follows that format that became very popular around the time of Pulp Fiction, where you got a lot of different vignettes and then the characters start overlapping and you see how they exist in each other's lives. Uh, But- Super fun, super funny. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Katie Holmes is in it, a very young Katie Holmes, uh, Sarah Polly, Scott Wolf. Um, I, I'm just thinking of names off the top of my head. It's a very big cast. Timothy yeah. Oliphant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So many people in it doing so many fun things. It's kind of like a day in the life, but a crazy, crazy day in the life um, of these, uh, these teens. The, I guess like they're supposed to be maybe around 20 years old, I'm yeah, guessing. Yeah, like college um, age, yeah. Yeah, college age. And then, you know, a little bit of some some older people as well. There's a, a very funny plot line about an Amway type thing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yep. So uh, just, you know, a super fun thing to watch that will definitely hold your interest. And I think, um, because I do feel like it's not very popular for whatever reason, uh, kind of neat to see all of these actors that are still around today, yeah, a lot yeah. of them anyway, um, you know, in such a, an old movie. I can't even remember when it came out right now, but must have been mid-90s, I'm guessing. I think it was late 90s, yeah. Late 90s? Okay, there you go. 
You know what, though? And this is such a great recommendation. I literally was talking about this movie last week because it was after uh, someone had watched the or listened to my podcast with Sydney, where I recommended Scott Pilgrim as her. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. She wanted a movie to watch with a great soundtrack. And I'm like, uh, watch oh, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, such a good soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. And, she and, and she didn't really love Scott Pilgrim, which is much more, you know, it's video game based, et cetera. So it's much mm -hmm. more like a kind of a, uh, uh, and after I made the recommendation after, I was like, oh my God, it was like, I should have a V8. I'm like, I should have recommended Go. It's like, Such for all the reasons you said, back. it's a forgotten movie. I absolutely love it. It's so funny. It's so much fun. Back when it was, you know, I watched it when it was on cable. No, in the early 2000s, late 90s, whatever it was, I watched it over and over again. And I had the soundtrack, a great soundtrack. So I'm like, I should have. Uh, I should yeah, have, I and <laughs> it, it is a movie you can watch over and over again yep. because so many different things are going on and you can notice different things in each time that you watch it, little details, um, you know, and just so funny. I really thought it was just so, so funny. And like very much of that era, right? With like, yep. there's a rave and <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very much a rave. And then the, the soundtrack kind of around that also. But uh, but yeah, to your point, um, uh, yeah, not only is it really watchable, like you said, because it has these like kind of parallel alternate timelines going on, that it's so fun to watch it again, because whenever you watch it again, and you realize the way the stories are intersecting, there's always like almost a, a joke that's hidden in that overlap yes. that you have you didn't yeah. pick up the first time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's really, really a lot of fun. So anybody out there who hasn't seen this movie, it's really highly, I recommend it very highly also go. And it's a lot of fun. Great, great. And like I said, full, or like, like Sona said, full of um, uh, these people who are still famous now. You know, you see them when they're younger and really, really talented cast, like all of them, very charismatic, so much fun. Very charismatic cast, absolutely. And uh, for my recommendation, I have a, a, a movie that's new on Netflix. Uh, if you like thrillers, if you like, uh, once again, uh, edge of your seat finales, um, there's a science fiction thriller called Stowaway, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, I believe now. And it's also well packed with stars, I was going to say, but there's only four people in the cast because they're all stuck <laughs> on a ship together. But Anna hey, there's Kendrick, something to be said for that compared to Mare, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, I like definitely can keep them track. Although I don't remember any of the characters' names, but Anna Kendrick is in it. Tony Collette, uh, Daniel Day Kim from uh, Lost. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's oh. great. Uh, he's got the, his arms are massive, by the way. I don't know what he's been doing, but his, his, like, his arms are jacked in this, in this um, uh, um uh, he's just like randomly like you know he's just a scientist i'm like how do you you're, how do you have biceps that size <laughs> but um uh, uh anyway but he's really good in it uh and a new actor who uh, who i have not seen before uh, but he's actually excellent also who is the stowaway and uh not famous so at least not famous to me um not as well known as the rest of the, of the cast however uh what i would so basically it's kind of hard science fiction it's not like uh and what, what's it called the hard science fiction it's kind of science fiction that is in the realm of of real science it's about a trip to mercury um, not to mercury to mars uh from mm -hmm. and uh basically just the logistics of this this guy gets trapped in the ship this is a minor spoilers if you guys don't want no spoilers you can skip ahead about a minute basically uh he's trapped on the ship they discover him after takeoff and uh they you know basically don't have enough supplies for everybody on the ship and it's just these people very humane it's not like a horror movie where they start like trying to kill each other off so they can survive <laughs> they actually try to pool and work really hard to just say like how can we all survive this and it's very humane i i i really i know people it's very mixed some people love it some people are not so high on it i thought it was great and i the, and i would say the the finale 
uh, uh, which is the last like 20, 30 minutes of the movie, basically is just one action sequence, if you can even call mm-hmm, it an action sequence. Mm-hmm. It's just basically them needing to do a spacewalk, let's say. Once again, minor mm-hmm. spoilers, but very minor. And uh, this is one of the tensest things I've experienced because once again, once you're just vested in characters, even like them just trying to do very, very basic things can be incredibly tense. And I was on the edge of my seat. Like it was really- Yeah. Wow, you had a lot of uh, attention this weekend. Yeah, (laughs) very. I was thinking this, I was thinking the same thing as I was watching last night. Like, what is up with whatever I'm watching? Like the last 10, 15 minutes are like, you know, heart pounding. But, uh, But hey, that's why we watch thrillers for. I mean, I actually had heard that movie was good, uh, but I did not know that Daniel Day Kim is in it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have to watch. Now that's definitely pushing me over. Even though I generally stay away from sci-fi, it is not my wheelhouse at all. Uh, That might have won me over. So (laughs) That's like why I would say like, you know, on the one hand, it is sci-fi, but it's not like space alien sci-fi. It's like this this could literally be a movie about four people trying to survive on a submarine. It's like it's the same. Mm -hmm. It's that type of thing. So um, anyway, if that sounds interesting, I highly recommend it. I thought it was really good. And, uh, you know, once again, I, my favorite thing, I just really like the humanity of it. It's just people, I, I, you know, oftentimes get exhausted with these kind of like coming up with fake villains and stuff to, to mm-hmm. a, a reason to have a plot. And I like the fact that they're just like, you know, we're just trying to survive. <laughs> and that is, that's bad yeah. enough, people. That's enough, that's enough conflict. We don't need anything else. So. Yeah, it feels that way even in everyday life sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Time is the villain for, for all of us. 